Welcome back to the podcast hosted by the Association of Celtic Students, in which we discuss the Celtic languages, cultures, and their study with various guests. Today's episode is in English. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Celtic Students podcast. My name is Nina Knokia-Skillo, and today I'm joined by Dr. Aaron Griffith and Dr. Nikki Stam, who are both based at the University of Utrecht and who are organizing the next International Congress of Celtic Studies in July 2023. Thank you for joining us and welcome back to the podcast. Nikki, you were on Thank the you. podcast, I think, last season, season two. Yeah, that's right. It's good to be back. Well, thanks for having us. First, can you both tell us a little bit about yourselves and your research? Maybe Aaron, go first, and then Nikki, you can update us on what's been going <laughs> Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm an American now living in Utrecht uh, and splitting my time between Utrecht and Austria. Um, I'm a linguist and I sort of came to Celtic studies accidentally because um, I was interested in Indo-European, but then I sort of took a detour and, and never, never sort of uh, got, <laughs> never, never stopped doing Celtic. Um, yeah, so I, I, right, right now I've been working on a paper on comparative Britonic phonology. And after that's done, then I have to do a paper on Irish phonology in the early period. So that, I think that that sort of gives some idea of the sorts of things I work on, because that's, that's about accurate. Um, yeah, so I think that's a, a concise sort of, that's what I do. Good. Uh, well, I'm Nike. I'm a colleague uh, of Aaron in Utrecht at the moment. Uh, uh, like Nina said, I was in the podcast a year ago or so when I was just finishing up my research in Dublin and uh, going back to Utrecht, uh, my alma mater. Uh, and my research mainly focuses on um, Irish, medieval Irish. Uh, and my current postdoctoral project uh, sort of centers around the only Irish language manuscripts that, uh, manuscript singular that we have in the Netherlands called VLQ7, which contains uh, a bit of Flefrikren and uh, a bit of Fen, uh, Finn and the Phantoms. Uh, and it has a very strange spelling. Uh, so my project um, sort of, um, well, I'll, I hope to try and find out why this spelling is so strange, whether it's um, intended to make the text look older than it is. Uh, and if so, uh, I'd like to know how much early Irish or late medieval Irish scribes actually knew about uh, the early Irish language. So uh, was their knowledge of early Irish so good that they might be able to fool us <laughs> with uh, uh, strange archaizing forms? Uh, and in terms of updates, um, I'm happy to announce that the manuscript is now uh, accessible uh, online free of charge uh, on the website of Brill, thanks to a crowdfunding uh, that we did um, a couple of months ago, I think just before Christmas. Uh, we put up a crowdfunding, we needed a thousand euros, uh, and within a day the Celtic community had delivered. It was like a magic cauldron. Uh, so yeah, so it's wow. uh, everyone can now have a look at this um, manuscript that's uh, kept in Leiden uh, uh, and oh, that's available very exciting. on the real website. Yes, and even more exciting is that before summer break, uh, a team from America will come, uh, they're the Lazarus uh, Project Imaging, and they'll try and do multispectral imaging on it to see if we can make the final page legible again, uh, because the final page at the moment is illegible because it was washed. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's yes, a long indeed. story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's two exciting updates, uh, I suppose, from my uh, project. Very, very cool. Very cool. Well, we are both working on kind of opposite ends of the spectrum of medieval Celtic studies, but that's great. 
Well, Aaron um, can do every every everything. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you can do the yeah. whole range. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Nika. No pressure now. <laughs> yes. You'll have to deliver now. Yeah, yes. right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the University of Utrecht seems to be the place to be right now for Celtic studies. Uh, we heard from some of your past students in episode two of the podcast this season, and uh, yeah, that that was a great episode. We learned loads. Of different things that they were doing in their master's thesis. So can you remind us a little bit what courses and what opportunities are available for people who want to do Celtic studies in Utrecht? Shall I take this one, I guess, Nika? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the, pro the program coordinator, so I suppose this is yeah. technically something I should know about. So we have a, a dedicated Celtic um, Languages and Culture BA, and it focuses on the medieval period. So um, students take general courses on old Irish language, medieval Welsh language, um, also so, you know um, literature. Uh, currently, there's a, a course on uh, continental Celtic. Mm -hmm. That's all in the first year, uh, and then in the second year, then there's specialization courses. Um, second and third years, uh, more one more linguistically focused, and one more uh, literature focused. So that's the, the BA program. Um, I think not too much detail if people are really interested in there's a website for that. But um, we'll so, put it in the yeah. description of the podcast. Yay, thank you. Um, and then following the, the BA, if you, you know, haven't had enough, then there's a research master, which is a two year program. And it's part of the ancient medieval and Renaissance studies. And there's an insular, uh, a medieval insular track. So um, there's a lot of Celtic, uh, but also Latin and Old English uh, in, in the track. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's for people who really want to continue on and do some research. And um, as part in the Netherlands, there are no sort of official PhD programs. Mm -hmm. So um, you, it's possible to do a PhD, but it, usually, it has to be a part of a project, whether that's yours or someone else's. Um, but the, the programs we offer then are a BA in Celtic and then a subtrack of the, the research master in uh, medieval, sorry, ancient medieval and Renaissance. Okay. Might be that good to mention, uh, sorry, if you, if you want to do, if you would like to do a PhD in Utrecht, there are options, but they go through the Dutch scientific research organization, which is called NWO. So it is possible, but you have to go not through Utrecht, but through sort of a, a national organization. Okay. Yeah, you have to yeah. learn how to navigate the. <laughs> yes, the exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. But if there's anyone interested, contact us uh, because we can, of course, help. Well, that sounds great. That I hope people contact you after this. <laughs> well, and also if people are interested in just sort of coming for a, sh a short stay, that's also possible. We've had we we've had people come for a period of a couple months or even less than that just to work with with someone or someone's. Um, for shorter periods of time, so that's also yeah. possible, and it's okay. it's nice to have it's nice to have guests. So exactly, <laughs> for sure. Well, that's I may think about this now. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see me show up in Utrecht. Good, unannounced. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but we, we yeah, we're, we're happy to have people. Yeah, we happy to have people. Very good, very good. Well, listeners, you heard you heard them. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and Utrecht is also a great place to be uh, for Celtic studies because you're hosting the 17th International Congress of Celtic Studies in July, 2023. So congratulations on this first. <laughs> thank you, uh, I think. Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
we're now we're now at the stage where we're starting to wonder, you know, our thanks or, order or sort of yeah. or, or condolences. That's sort of thing. <laughs> Fair but, enough. Yeah. Well, maybe afterwards, you know, at the end <laughs> of that week, you'll be like, oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> no, I think it's a great thing to have done and a terrible thing to have to organize. But, you know, we 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 did bring this on ourselves so we really can't complain about and we are it. also very excited about it no and i, I don't want so we're don't not want just moping around our office no. <laughs> well i'm very excited for the congress so good that's excellent yeah that's that's part of why we do it of course well yeah hopefully i hope so yeah. <laughs> and and yes yeah, so it'll be the first time i think that the congress is hosted in the netherlands and in utrecht yeah. Um, and that will coincide with the centenary of Celtic Sources in Utrecht, according also to the website. Yes. Uh, yeah. So can you maybe tell us more about the history of Celtic Studies in Utrecht, how it started and how it's going now? <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, it all started with uh, a guy called Anton Gerard van Hamel, uh, whose name might sound familiar uh, to the listeners uh, because of the Van Hamel Foundation. Uh, which hosts uh, the Codex website, among other things, and uh, which has its own journal, Kelton, in Dutch. Um, so um, now, now in Dutch and English, it's now. Oh, bilingual. sorry. Yes, also oh, yeah. bilingual. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're not obliged to learn Dutch anymore. Um, but he, um, uh, this Anton van Hamel, he was offered um, a position as a professor or chair of Germanic languages in Utrecht in 1923. So almost 100 years ago, and he was adamant that to this chair would be added um, uh, Celtic languages because he felt there was a very strong connection between the two fields uh, mm -hmm. and both should be offered. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh. And he uh, has a story perhaps a bit similar to Aaron, uh, as he once described it, that he got lost in a Celtic fairyland and he couldn't leave anymore because he started out as, um, as we say in Dutch, a Neerlandicus, so a Dutch scholar or a Germanist. Uh, and he, he found Celtic studies and it just it didn't let him go. So he continued, <laughs> he continued to work, um, uh, well, mainly on Celtic studies, but he also did a lot of Germanic stuff, for example, on Icelandic. He was uh, very much in love with Iceland as well. Um, he was also very much part of the Celtic scene at the time. So I've been transcribing letters that he wrote to uh, Best, uh, who was, of course, um, the keeper of manuscripts in the National Library in Ireland. Uh, and in the letters, you can read about his connections to, for example, Kuno Meyer and Rudolf Tournais and yeah, and everyone in the field. Uh, and of course, um, his connections to Marche Drak as well, who was his successor in Utrecht. Mm. She was a student of his, um, uh, a PhD student, but also uh, before that. Uh, and um, when he died shortly after the Second World War, she became uh, the new professor of Celtic studies. And she was also a Nierlandica, so she also was a Dutch scholar. And in the field of Dutch, she's still very famous for her work on Arthurian Dutch okay. literature. Yeah, so she's a well, well-known figure uh, in the Netherlands. And she was then the professor of Celtic studies in Utrecht until uh, 1982. Wow. Uh, I know, yeah, she had a good long stretch, yeah, yeah, and she was then, um, uh, then it was taken over by Doris Edel and Amy van Strien uh, until they both retired, uh, and uh, after a couple of years, uh, Peter Schreiber appeared on the scene, so that's kind of the lineage of, uh, of professorships uh, that we have in Utrecht, um, and it used to be only um, uh, before the bachelor master system, we had a different system here in the Netherlands. It used to be only what was uh, called a doctoral 
study so something you could do after you've done something else mm -hmm. so a lot of people would go there having done for example English and then take sort of uh, intensifying courses on on Celtic studies uh, but when the bachelor master system was introduced there was a, a big fight to make Celtic a bachelor as well and obviously it was successful because we're still a bachelor and a research master now um, so I think that's uh, the origins of Celtic and Utrecht. Wow that that's so amazing to have those letters and to to know the oh, connections and it's fantastic and I should mention as well that only very recently uh, which is amazing considering we're almost celebrating the centenary uh, the archives of Marche Drac were donated to Utrecht University Library so now we not only have Van Hamel's archives but we also have Marche Drac's mm -hmm. archives so there's a lot of research to be done mm. uh, the next couple of years going through their personal effects their letters but also their papers their class notes uh, everything is in there. Uh, there's some letters by Eleanor Knott, for example, oh, as well <laughs> as some, some other female scholars uh, in the field who, of course, were exceptional at the time uh, and were really sort of uh, in the letters you can see they were really seeking support amongst mm. each other, which I think is really uh, beautiful uh, and important for us to remember today as well. So yeah, yeah sure. a lot of stuff to be done. That's great. Well, yeah, I hope I hope some people just start doing the history of Celtic studies <laughs> yes as a yeah yeah sub field <laughs> I think so too yes yeah that'd be great okay well that sounds amazing the just the history is great and you've got a really strong base for hosting the congress really so what would you say are the particular assets of Utrecht compared to other universities who do Celtic studies and who have Celtic studies-ish departments um what would you say to convince people to come work with you do you want to start, Aaron? Or yeah, sure. <laughs> I'd say we have we have good breadth. Um, it's obviously medieval, but it's not limited to one one particular branch. Um, and of course, in, in for various reasons, that's not always possible uh, everywhere to have sort of both British Celtic and and Gordelic. Um And we have the, the expertise to really cover a huge range. Uh, we can't always teach all of that but it's there. And we also have, uh, I think, a critical mass of, of scholars. So it's not simply one person who is the chair doing sort of everything. There's there's a number of us, and I think that's also important. Um, plus, I think we're, we're, we're great people, so you know, <laughs> why not? No, but I, but I think that that's the sort of the personal side, which does matter. Yeah. But I think yeah. uh, sort of from the, from the, the side of purely the, the knowledge, um, we have a, a broad base and we can cover and do cover in, in the teaching most of that, if yeah. not everything. And I think also our student society, Asterix, is very active and yeah. very, very lovely um, because we're so small. Um, it's very, I always think it's very important to get to know your fellow students mm -hmm. and to sort of form a community together. And Asterix is really essential to this. And they organize loads of activities um, throughout the year, um, like a belt and a fest or, you know, <laughs> Uh, laser gaming, whatnot. So it's also this um, this stuff that goes on outside of the curriculum, I think, which makes Utrecht a really nice place to go. And of course, Utrecht is also a very lovely medieval city. I mean, yeah, it's gorgeous. I've heard great things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not from Utrecht, so I can say. <laughs> and it's, and it's it's a medieval city, but it also, I mean, it was a Roman. It was also a Roman. Also, city. yes. Yeah. So it has. We don't, it has we don't like a, the Romans, Aaron. <laughs> I know, but you know, 
what have the Romans ever done for us? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they did found the city. It, it does sound like you've got a great community. And like, I know, yeah, that student society, um, they're active on Twitter as well. So when I see things on yeah. <laughs> we're like hello yes my friends <laughs> yes exactly um, yeah yeah so yeah no it's great it sounds like a great place to be and there's lots of bicycles I feel like I should mention this oh yeah. no there's there's mixed feelings about bicycles in the Celtic community but it's really nice to be able to get around a city on a bike I well, think yeah as someone who I live in Cambridge uh, where there's also of course yeah. loads of bicycles so. yeah exactly yeah. yeah I concur good <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so let's move on to the Congress, which is one of the main reasons I was asking you to be with me today. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the Congress itself and the history? Because I know some people probably won't really know how it happened, how kind of it came about, how it works. Yeah, I guess I can start with that. Um, hmm, Nika, you were so well prepared with 100 years of Celtic and now I feel underprepared here. Um, I think it was 1959 though was the first Congress. I, we can I, we could figure it out because you know by yeah. it's every four years, so you could just sort of add four years until you get to 17 and then kind of times four is 28. Oops, no Ernest is also a mathematician, so he can yeah. do this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and it was started up as a way to gather scholars together um, from, and it was it. I think since its inception, it's been sort of the preeminent international gathering of, of Celtic of Celtic scholars. And it's every four years, and it's always been five days. So Monday through mm -hmm. Friday. Um, but they always also took the Wednesday off for excursions, which I think is sort of a, a nice way because four days of, of, of conference talks is pretty intense. Yeah. So you sort of have a day in the middle to decompress. It's still a bunch of academics doing academic things, both that like visiting visiting archaeological sites or museums or whatever but still it's a, it it gives you a chance to you know use your your brain a little differently yeah. but um yeah it's, so every four years it's been someplace different uh it's usually um in ireland or within the uk but i think uh in bonn it was born in 2007 so it's not unprecedented for it to be on the continent mm -hmm. um it is however unusual um but yeah, and I, I think for me as a scholar, it's a great way to see, well, it, it's the largest gathering of, of Celticists, mm. the sort of academic Celticists that I, that I know of. Um, and it's great to see all of, all of what's going on. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a very brief history. I think almost every website since the web be, began to be used for advertising such things has a brief section on sort of history and where the previous conferences were. And I think I think we have that as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I yes, think, yeah, forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so that that lets you sort of know where the things were, um, and it's it's it lets you also you know lets you also know where Celtic studies is or has been. Yeah. Um, because the places that have that are are cities where you can do something Celtic. So that's also sort of a nice record of sort of mm. where where things are and what happens. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, I don't know, Nika, do you have anything to add? Or did, did I say enough? I think so, yeah, no, yeah. that sounds about okay. right, yeah. <laughs> so when was your first Congress? Mine was 2007 in Bonn. Mine too, actually. <laughs> and, yeah, we didn't meet then, but I'm sure no. I saw Nika because that was Peter Schreiber. I, I saw him and then I saw a gaggle of, of 
of Dutch students sort of following him everywhere. Is that our so, group term, a gaggle of students? I, yeah, I think it's something, well, at least for Dutch students, I think that's It's like a murder of crowds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, no, I, yeah. yeah, I was still a bachelor student at the time. And with the Student Society Asterix, we decided we'd all go and see what all the fuss was about. Uh, <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was really, to be a better student, to go to this conference was really made it giant impression on me you know to see all these names yeah. that you uh, that you've only yeah. known from articles and yeah yeah so that was really cool yeah I my first congress was 2019 so the last one. Oh yes and, and yeah I remember just being completely in awe of I'm in the same room as all those people that I'm literally just <laughs> citing in my master's thesis yeah um, yeah it's yeah. it's very amazing yeah yeah and I think that's one of the well one of the nice things when when basically everyone goes then you have a chance to meet all all those different people that you you know of yeah and I suppose sometimes it can be sort of intimidating but sometimes you realize oh you know it's a really nice guy or a really nice lady yeah you know, so things like that yeah um, which is which is nice and also I think because all of our or, or a lot of the sections at the various universities are very small or people are the only one in their university doing something on Celtic. It's so important to have our international, to strengthen our yeah. international ties and have this international network in place. I know when yeah. there was a time when Celtic studies in Utrecht was on the verge of sort of collapse. Uh, so it was threatened that there wouldn't be a new chair. Mm. And um, uh, Leni van Strien and also Marcia Draak really used their this international network that they had built up to save Celtic studies in Utrecht. So yeah. uh, I think not saying that, you know, any of us are on the verge of collapse, but it's just nice to have an international network um, for a field that is relatively small, I think. Yeah, no, for sure. No, it's, it's definitely important. And I think for those listening who have been to a Celtic students conference, I think the mm. Congress is basically a Catholic students conference, but times 10. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. It, it's sort of on steroids, I think. <laughs> yeah, basically. Along those lines. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and there's like a day of excursions, which is always great. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So how did you get the chance to host the Congress? I wasn't here for that. <laughs> so Aaron knows more about this. <laughs> yes. Well, um, it's... I, I don't know how, you know, I, I didn't really know sort of how this worked, but, um, you know, it was suggested if anyone is interested, you know, they could contact the, the right parties. Um, and that sounds so, very dodgy this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, I know a guy. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, basically... Uh, I was the, probably the most gung-ho person in the, in the department here for it. Um, and I, I, my, my pitch was, well, okay, look, we have to do something to celebrate 100 years of Celtic. So if you're going to go, you know, go do something, why don't do something big? Um, and this was the biggest thing, you know, going in 2023. So um, we put together a bid just sort of saying, okay, this is what uh, we, can, we can offer. Sort of a little bit on the university, the city, um, but also sort of the types of excursions and, and what we think you know you have to make it believable that you can you, you could host it on the other hand there's not a lot of competition oh so because yeah well, because it's it is a lot of it's a lot of work and it's the sort of thing where there's enough places that do celtic that you sort of hope that you only have to do it once in your life um <laughs> and so you know there's limited amounts of places where you know it could it could be 
Um, so in the sense, in one sense, there's not a lot of competition, but you, you still have to make a case that it's believable that yeah. you that you could you could make this happen. So um, Peter and I, Peter Schreiber, the the chair, uh, and I went to a meeting, a, a lunch meeting. Well, we didn't have lunch, but everyone else was eating lunch, I think, where we sort of you know presented our case and like this is this is our our pitch, and then the next group who wanted to was also interested in hosting and did their pitch and then sort of later you know, we were we were we were located at a talk and sort of said by the way blah, 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 you can host so, oh, wow. um, so that was during the congress yeah wow. at, at yeah at the last at the previous congress they decide where the next one is going to okay. be i mean i i don't know if it's ever happened that they didn't have anyone to host and so they sort of like it was a cliffhanger at the end of the conference. I, I don't know my, my sort of I, my history doesn't go back that far, but every time that I've been there, it's always announced at the at the end at the closing yeah. meeting where the next Congress will be. So wow. it all happens sort of at the Congress. Wow, that sounds very mysterious. That there's like does going on during the Congress that nobody else knows about. Yeah, well, I, I hope I didn't let out any trade secrets. But since I'm not part of the decision making group anyway, it's not like I have any pull with it. With, with <laughs> okay, and so how many of you are organizing this massive Congress? Uh, do you have a, a good team? Well, yes. And how many of us are there? Let's see. Well, but, it's there's probably what six of us or seven. Yeah, it's, so, it's so the two of us, and then Peter Schrijver, Natalia Petrovskaya, uh, and Mihalo Flaherty. Oh, oh, that's yeah. right. And of and course, then, our student assistants who occasionally <laughs> help out uh, with things like the website and um, further promoting. Yeah. Yeah. And we have then asterisks, a representative of yes. the students uh, at all our meetings, because there's we're going to need their help. And we thought it was a good idea to involve them during the planning and not be like, oh, by the way, we need you guys to, to help us out for, say, an entire week uh, during your summer break. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, rope them in early. So they're. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now it's a, a, a group project. Um, yeah, and then there's also a group that working on 100 years of Celtic. And yeah. that's, you know, par partially overlapping. Like Nika is sort of our liaison there. Yeah. um it's not entirely the same people but of course it's it's also closely and yeah. closely related so that's that's more for a, an outreach program okay. uh, and that's myself and bart Jaski, who is keeper of manuscripts at utrecht university library and also a Celticist. Uh, so i mentioned when i was describing sort of the history of celtic in utrecht that there was a brief period between when doris edel and leni van sien retired and when uh, Peter Schrijver became the new professor. In between, there was a brief period when there was no chair in Utrecht. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was basically Bart Jaski and Ranke de Vries, together with uh -huh. Ander, Anders Alquist, who would fly in occasionally as a sort of semi-chair for our department. Mm -hmm. And I, kept... think Moira, I think Moira oh, Duane. Uh, Moira uh, yeah. Okay, also. yes. Yeah, so those are the four then that kept the sort of Celtic studies running in the in the in-between period between the retirement. Mm -hmm. So Barczewski is now keeper of manuscripts at Utrecht University Library. So he's also uh, the one in charge of Marchitrak's archives and Van Hamel's archives. Uh, and together with him and Sanne Jongelein, who is an alumna of our, um, of our uh, department, uh, we're trying to put together uh, an outreach program as well. Okay. Which is different from the Congress, yeah. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, we, we hope so. But. Yeah. So, so yeah, what have you got planned for this 
100 years of Celtic is is it going to be with the Congress or is there going to be no it's going to be before uh, yeah it's going to be the first weekend of July uh, because okay. it's aimed at sort of people who live in Utrecht or who might have an interest in Celtic studies or who have done Celtic studies with us before uh, and we were afraid if we were sort of conflating that with the conference that everybody would be on holiday and nobody would show up yeah. so that's why we chose the first weekend of July that's when the students are sort of still here um, the teachers are still here and people haven't yet gone on holiday uh, so that's when that's happening um, we're trying we're currently trying to get funding for a lot of things so it's all still a bit up in the air but things that we want to do in any case are an exposition in Utrecht uh, University Library in the city centre of sort of um, well things from the March Dark archives, uh, manuscripts that we have, uh, products that came out of Celtic studies in Utrecht of course um, and we'd like to make a podcast with that uh, ah. about Draak. <laughs> yeah so there uh, hopefully there's going to be a podcast called Opzoek uh, naar de Draak so looking for the dragon uh, which will be about March Draak's archives uh, there will be an alumni event so if there's any alumni listening write that down in your diary <laughs> we're probably going to do a whiskey tasting uh, there will be some bands uh, 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 made up of alumni we have a lot of musical alumni who will be playing uh, their music um, so that's what we're hoping for 100 years of Celtic along with some public lectures on what is Celtic studies why is it in Utrecht uh, <laughs> why is it important you know those kinds yeah. of things yeah yeah wow that yeah that sounds great I it, you make it sound like we should come to Utrecht before the conference just to be <laughs> well why not <laughs> it's it's sort of like the pre-conference yes yeah yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah a warm-up yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just the warm up party before the party. Well, this is the the, the pre conference conference. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of work, though. A lot of things to organize at the there's, same time. <laughs> there's a lot of things going on in Utrecht at the moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're still hopeful. <laughs> That's yeah, good. It does, it does keep us busy. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so how, how what does it entail really to organize the the congress? What what do you have to do so early in the game? Well, the the most important thing I think, sort of organizationally, is to get the, the date is to set the dates as early as possible. Then figure out if the if rooms are available, and where. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, this is it's a big. There's so many sort of moving parts that you have to coordinate, and so then there's you know um, once that's done, then it's a matter of okay, well, who do we want to invite, and for the invited speakers, but what does that mean and um, and yeah, I, I, for us as academics, the program is actually the easy part. It's a lot of work, but you know, we know we know the people. We know sort mm -hmm. of how a conference works in general. But then this, the, the, the Congress adds the additional layer of having lots of excursions on the Wednesday, and also it has a, sort of a, a cultural program in the evenings on some evenings, yeah. and then there's a conference dinner, and so those are things that that academics aren't necessarily as well versed in sort of how do you <laughs> how do you put together something like this yeah so um you know we, we were very pleased with ourselves to have gotten the call for papers done and things <laughs> like that and then we're like oh okay now, now all now, the rest <laughs> now there's the, the the even longer list of things that we're not necessarily trained to do that also need to happen yeah and that's the, i think the challenging part of organizing a congress it's a lot of i think it's a lot of fun to get things to work but of course it's a lot of things that you don't necessarily know beforehand exactly how you're going to make it happen and that's that's i think the biggest challenge for organizing any conference but especially a large one like this 
yeah for sure that sounds like yeah a lot of work and a lot of things as well that you can't really plan that much in advance so you have to worry about or, it until yeah. you can actually plan it yeah that's or a very nice just, description yeah. yeah yeah because it's sort of also we want to get things nailed down we you know we're talking to like a bus company about you know busing for the the congress like well that's so far in advance we're, we're prioritizing things for say next week so we'll get back to you sometime yeah <laughs> i've already had several nightmares about the congress yeah. <laughs> no you know it i mean it's it yeah it will work out but it I will think yeah for for those of us who like to plan and get all the all the sort of the nails nailed in early yeah that it, would be me it does yeah, yeah it does make Same. it difficult just because how yeah. are you gonna how how you know there's competing sort of the companies are worried about their bottom line now sort of next year uh, yeah i'm sure i'm sure we'll have buses but yes. you know yeah so just to take an example out of my current planning uh job. i've had similar uh similar yeah. experiences when planning you know cultural activities for mm -hmm. the conference yeah yeah they were like we don't even have a diary for next year it was like okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah uh, so do do we know yet what you've planned for as ex excursions and cultural events? i don't know aaron how much should we say or should we keep it a cliffhanger <laughs> well we have ex we have we're in right we now have we're in ideas yeah. <laughs> and actually this is our intense planning project for now mm -hmm. is making sure that our ideas yeah. will actually are actually doable yeah. um because you know we want we want well we, they have to be ready by the fall when At registration least, opens right yeah. because you know the the conference the call deadline is in the fall and well september one that's early yeah. fall. But, but we have um, some we have yeah. some nice ideas i think we have like we try to make the excursions diverse so there's some archaeology there's some manuscripts hopefully and some castles you know even yeah that's that's what we're thinking okay. now so a diverse sort of spectrum yeah and that's yeah. always the case well one thing that we don't have is we're not located in a current uh celtic sort of speaking area the the celts yeah. are far far in the past <laughs> so there is there's plenty of Celtic history here as well, but some of the some of the excursions won't be as Celtic as say if we were located in oh I don't know Bangor say yeah yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. Glasgow. Glasgow that is yeah and that, yeah but that, and that's simply it's a, a different sort of thing but you know there's there's tons of things to do in the Netherlands but of course we decided we're not going to organize a tour to Amsterdam for sort of to see all the museums or whatever you want to do because people if they want to do that they're probably going to do it anyway on their yeah. wednesday so we're trying to organize things that you might not go see necessarily um on your on your one free day do take us places where we would never have known otherwise that's the idea yeah. for now yeah yeah that sounds yeah. great if we get a bus <laughs> yeah oh i already i have one off of this already way in, so. okay Excellent. yeah yeah, yeah. Good. We won't walk anyway <laughs> or cycle. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, that yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm even more excited now. Good. I'm just so curious about what you've planned. Yeah, sometimes sometimes we're curious too. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but yeah, <laughs> it will it will all come together. No, I'm it, sure. it will. Yeah. It's just a matter of sort of how much more hair I will. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of gray hair like, that I've yeah. sort of acquired. No. <laughs> yeah, my, my children sometimes ask how uh, how you know how my hair fell out. I said, well, it's you know worrying about things, like you, for instance. Like, no. 
no, it's all fine. It's, no, it's, it's good. It's, it's exciting good to cause. do as well. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It really, really is. And I am also really excited about it. So, yeah. It, 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 at certain times are crunch time, and then there's less fun and more sort of, ah. But on, on the whole, it's, we, we know this is a, a good thing coming. Yeah. So I think that's what, that's what makes it worth it. Because the yeah. Congress is really, I think, an amazing um, sort of happening, sort of opportunity. You know, it can sometimes be filled with dread, depending on how you feel about speaking in front of people. But um, that you know, that is sort of part of an academic conference. Yeah. So, and you can even come if you're not speaking. Like when I went yeah. to Bonn, I wasn't speaking. Yeah. I was just sort yeah. of, uh, well, in a gaggle of students. Apparently, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was same when I went last time in 2019. Yeah, I and even that, speaking, yeah, yeah, exactly. Even that is a very worthwhile experience, I think, if you, of course, can afford it, because yeah. It's difficult if you don't have a funder who can uh, pay for your yeah. attendance. Yeah, but I think it is important to sometimes just be there and listen because even even that sort of gets gets the gears cranking and gets. Yeah. If you're interested in something, there's there's bound to be you know papers on it, and even if some papers aren't directly on your your field of interest, sometimes it's just good to go hear a good paper, even if yeah. you're like, oh, I don't yeah. really know what that's about, but that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the main things I really enjoyed last time I was at the Congress was just that I could go to things that are completely outside of what I do. And it was just really nice to like listen. I went to papers on Breton, even though I study Irish. And it was just really nice to just hear about what else is going on in the field. And yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's part of it. And I think just to sort of another plug for conferences in general i think it is nice to see people and yes. be there um i mean we're, we're doing this via zoom which you know has its benefits because we're in two different countries um <laughs> but actually being physically present makes a difference yeah. talking to the people Definitely. and i think just simply being somewhere it puts you in a different frame of mind yeah. so yes I, I have my my sick son in the background um so there's always, you know, that little bit sort of, oh, you know, how's yeah, he yeah. doing? Yeah. Um, and when you're physically somewhere else, it changes sort of how yeah. how you interact with, yeah. with with things. And I think that's important. And so, I remember as well after Bond that um, I was telling Peter about my experiences and he was saying, I was saying I was very tired because I went to all the lectures, like from nine to five, I went to every paper I could get to. And he laughed at me and he said, that's not the idea of a conference. I mean, you go to some papers and then you go talk to all the people you haven't seen <laughs> in a while and make new plans, you know, for research projects or I don't know, funding or whatever. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's also really important about these things because yeah, you're all networking. together. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Oh, I hate, I hate networking, networking. as a, as a word. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's what I teach as PhD students, oh, network. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's important, even when you, even when you, because networking to me sounds very sort of transactional. It's but very, on the yeah. other hand, yeah. but on the other hand, it is important. I mean, we yes. don't we don't do this just. Well, you know, yeah. most of us don't do this just for the sake of knowledge. There's also no. yeah. the idea that you can talk to someone else about what you think you've discovered, and they'll be like, "Oh, um, <laughs> no, you didn't discover that." Or like, <laughs> I mean, oh, that that was my big fear in sort of yeah. early conferences, yeah. like yeah. ah. They'll tell me, oh, no, this has been done. Sorry. Nice yeah. idea. <laughs> nice try. But it's yeah. also just to, you know, to have that exchange. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's partially what makes it so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. And yeah, speaking of being in person, you're very lucky to have kind of escaped the pandemic. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Yes. Yeah, um, 
yeah so so yeah is it going to be just an in-person event or are you planning any hybrid or online parts well i think we said in the the, the as we said in the call we are planning for it to be an in-person conference obviously who knows what's going to happen a year from now um so we'll have to call that uh, as necessary but we we plan to stream all of the plenaries Okay. Um, because uh, and the, sort of the opening and the closing, because we decided that that's an important as sort of to let people know this is these are some of the important things going on in Celtic studies. Mm -hmm. um, so anyone will be able to to view those, and I think that's that we decided to do that regardless of what's going on. Um, but for sort of all other decisions, we you know we, we're going to be in person, but we hope that that will be possible yeah and you know it, it's so hard to predict you can't you can drive yourself crazy if you try to cross dot every i and, and cross every t so we're you know we, we we've thought about it but we, right now we can't worry about it and you know the 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 rooms we'll be in have have capabilities for streaming but you know the last the last couple of years have shown us how less desirable that is in comparison to sort of actually being there. Um, certainly in the teaching and for conferences, the, I, I, you know, we, we've all seen the benefits of both ways, but um, for now we're operating on the, the in-person and we'll <laughs> have updates as necessary. Yeah, well, hopefully not too many updates will be needed. <laughs> no, yeah, I hope exactly. so too. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, well, that sounds like a good plan. To, to start with. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're hoping. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we talked about the call for papers, which is open until the 1st of September. So listeners, listen. <laughs> um, and yeah, what, because we, we talked about this, about how some, especially post-grad students or early career um, researchers would be a bit maybe intimidated by the Congress and how big it is. And so they wouldn't really be sure if they wanted to submit. I know because I was that person four years ago. Um, so what would you say to those people who are not sure if they want to be there and are scared? Just do it. It's the, <laughs> the Nike slogan. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the easy answer. I mean, it is intimidating. Um, I, I remember my first. I, I was I had finished my PhD before I actually gave conference papers in front of Celticists, as opposed to my colleagues, I went to the University of Chicago, and we didn't really have a Celtic community there. Um, so and I would, you know, it was, it's nerve wracking. Uh, you know, I, I practiced my first talk, I think, something like five times um, in front of no one or sort of small audiences just mm. just to, to practice it. Um, and I think that is, you know, it's a, that would be my advice to someone giving a paper practice it several times, but you have you have to actually give the paper. Um, to make to make it work. Perhaps some advantage of the International Congress is that it is so big that sometimes there won't even be that many people in your room yeah. because there there'll be so many parallel sessions. So it can even be a nice environment to try out something that you have uh, because your crowd won't be perhaps hundreds of people, uh, but maybe just five people who are interested or maybe five of your friends, uh, you know, so it can be it can be a nice small experience as well because it's mm. so big. Ironically, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's true, especially because there will be multiple sessions running at the same time with, with as many people as we expect to be here. 
um, which of course you never know how many that's going to be, but hundreds. We hope um, a lot, yes. <laughs> yeah. But if there's 10 papers going simultaneously, um, not everyone is going to have, you know, 25 people. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I had, I think in Bonn, my very first paper was an 8.30 paper. They, hmm. they started quite early. And yeah. I think I think I had this, you know, the four, four people in the audience. Um, but that was fine. Um, mm. it, it went just fine. And I was pleased with that. Yeah. Um, you know, and plus, if you're scheduled at the same time as someone like, I don't know, Peter Skyver, Patrick Sims Williams, or, you know, John Kerry, your audience is probably going to be a little bit smaller. It's <laughs> just, you know, uh, these things happen. But yeah. no, I think the important thing really is to do it. Um, even, you know, not even if you're not interested in going on for a PhD, but you want to get your, you know, get some, you want to tell people what you've done, I think do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I concur. I think I think it's a great experience to present. Even yeah, I've only presented at small conferences, not the Congress yet. Yes, <laughs> hopefully next year. Ah, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I think I was really scared before I went to the Congress, and then when I saw the actual reality of it's small rooms with just little groups of people, it's actually much less scary in real life than yeah. you make it to be. Yeah. Exactly. Like a lot of things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I would concur. I would say present. It's a good idea. Yes. So I'll come to yeah. Utrecht and ride yeah. a bicycle next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so why should other people who are not presenting, why should they come? Just for the vibe. Um, <laughs> I, to, to meet people, to see our lovely city, to do our excursions and our cultural activity, to learn something about the Netherlands. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if even if you're not presenting, a number of people come to the conferences a lot without presenting, simply to be there. <laughs> you know, they, they can lean back because hey, I don't have to do anything <laughs> other than other than other than simply be there, meet their friends sometimes, or or meet new people, and hear what's going on. Yeah, I think it's that's actually really... a much a much nicer way of attending a conference sometimes because you, you're not stressed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also yeah when also when you present the first day and then you have the rest of the conference. Oh, that's always really good. That, that's always really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I think I think on Friday we have very few papers scheduled. It's mostly just plenaries and closing. So you know, you more people are at the beginning of the conference yeah. simply yeah. by yeah. by by sort of how it how it's scheduled. Yeah. It's obviously yeah nicer to be an early paper than the last paper. I've been the last paper at a conference and I. I, I remember seeing sort of tears of joy when I said, you know what, I'm going to skip section four of my paper and just move on. <laughs> you know, some, someone has to be there. And I, you know, we all know it's not, not the best spot to give a paper, but um, that does mean the beginning of your conference will be a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. yeah. You know, There's always good and yeah. Good sites. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, well, I think you've answered that question before but do we know where it will go next the congress not yet not yet nope so nope. probably there'll be mysterious goings on during the Utrecht mm. conference so keep your eye out I'll for keep any an eye out. <laughs> yeah any dodgy I, I have the feeling that the Utrecht secret was not well kept it was only like 24 hours but really? I think that I think I have the feeling that it got out because of some loose lips 
Mm. So, because they try to keep it, they try to keep it secret. Yeah. They, you know, there's mm. a, a large group of maybe 20 or 30 people in that lunch meeting. I don't know. It seemed like 20 or 30 people. It might have been five, but um, people who are sort of in the lunch meeting when we make the, the pitch and they make the decision and then they let us know, but they ask us to keep it quiet until yeah. it's announced at the closing. Um, but yeah, so until then, mm. No one knows, and I don't think it's yeah. And even if any, even if we did know, we would of course be sworn to secrecy and all yeah. sorts of things. But no, it really isn't isn't known. Okay. So. Well, I can't wait to find out though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come to Utrecht. So, any final words of wisdom to share mm. with us? See you in twenty twenty three. Yeah. No, really, uh, we want to see as many people here as 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 want to be here. Obviously, we hope that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because that's a it, it's what makes the conference sort of fun and interesting and successful is to have that large community exchanging yeah. ideas yeah that's what it's really about and you know and having fun because that's also important. yeah yes. so it's not all about the papers there's also plenty of time you know when the when the conference comes gets to be too much you meet you know you and your new best friend or your old best friend mm-hmm. go out and have coffee or just skip a panel i don't it, i don't advise that officially as a conference organizer but of course <laughs> that's how this works yeah. you go you know you go have that time and do something fun um yeah. that's you know all work and no play makes you know <laughs> as we say no but I, I think really um just come enjoy and participate that's great words to end this on um so thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and yeah, this will come out before the end of the call for papers fantastic um, <laughs> yeah. so thank you. listeners you have probably i think one month left by the time this comes out so plenty of time so yes plenty yeah. of time to think of something to see yeah basically it's you have to give us an uh, an abstract then you have months and months and months to actually work out what it is you are going to say and show us that that abstract actually works. Yes. Um, yes. So there's plenty, you know, plenty of time. Plenty of time to just <laughs> think. Oh, why did I submit this? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank, thank you, you, Nina. This was a great opportunity for us also to let yes. people know what's going on. Yeah. Well, I hope that, yeah, everyone in the field listens to this and thinks, mm, this is great. We want to organize the Congress too. Yes, like, we hope so too. Good. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Good. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Celtic Students Podcast. We are a student association that promotes the use and study in and of Irish, Scottish Gaelic, Manx, Welsh, Cornish, and Breton. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Celtic Students where you will find the latest news in Celtic studies, details of new podcast episodes and blog posts, as well as information regarding our annual conference. See you soon!